Hey everyone, it's amazing to have you joining us for the message today. And before we go any further, I would love us to open in a word of prayer and really ask for God's spirit, for his presence, for his direction as we dive into his word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that you are here. I want to thank you that you are with us. I want to thank you that whether we're exploring faith today or whether we feel far away from you, whether we feel a bit stagnant, whether we're on fire for you, I want to thank you that your word is truth, your word is life, and that you want to speak to us and encourage us today. And so I just pray that you would do that. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I have absolutely loved going through Proverbs together and I'm wanting to take a break from that, particularly for this message. And so this message is titled Never Too Far. really feel the Lord laid it on my heart as we think about ourselves and others when it comes to the gospel. And then from next week, I want to dive into, in the alternating weeks uh, when I'm preaching, I want to dive into a series called Storm the Gates, which is really about how we as the church, individuals who make up the church, live out God's great gospel calling in our lives and beyond. So I can't wait for that. And I just love how it works hand in hand with what Ian's been covering through Ephesians. So I've been absolutely loving it. I've been loving diving into the book of Ephesians. And I trust this will be an amazing complement to that as we go through it. So get ready for that next week. But today for this message, Never Too Far, I would love you to open your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 8. We're going to go through the story together. I'm going to read it and I'm going to stop. But I just trust that God shows you something special as we go through this. So we pick up the story in Luke 8 verses 22. Now Jesus is going through his earthly ministry. He has been healing the sick. He has been raising people to life. He's been speaking through parables. He's been spending time with his close friends, the disciples. And we're picking up the story here in Galilee where he is speaking and sharing. And then after that, that's what he says in Luke 8 verse 22. One day, he and his disciples got into a boat and he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So we could just read that through, but what's so interesting we see later is the other side of the lake was a predominantly Gentile area, Galilee being Jewish. So even just for him to say that to the other side of the lake would have taken some faith, it would have taken some trust from the Jewish disciples. And so the challenge for us in this is God often asks us to do things that might not make sense in earthly terms. We might not know the full picture, but do we trust him? Do we trust he is who he says he is and that we can put our lives in his hands? And thankfully, the disciples get in the boat and off they go. So they set out. Verse 23. And as they were sailing, Jesus fell asleep. He was fully God and fully man, needed to rest. And as they were sailing, he fell asleep. Then a fierce windstorm came down on the lake. They were being swamped and were in danger. They came and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. Everything looked great. Yes, Jesus was with them. But suddenly the situation around got a little bit scary. 
How easy is it for us, although we have faith in Christ, although we know that he's the King of Kings and that he has a plan for our lives, that suddenly something pops up in our lives, suddenly a catastrophe, suddenly a disaster, maybe it's a financial strain, maybe it is a relational problem, whatever it is, we're so quick to get into this massive panic without knowing that we are sons and daughters of the king. And so this was the disciples. They knew Jesus. They'd seen him doing amazing miracles, but suddenly the wind and waves pop up and they get themselves into a panic. Then he got up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, so they ceased and there was calm. He said to them, where is your faith? So this is the first inkling in this short story as to God's authority and power. He has absolute power over nature. It is nothing for the God who created the world that we live in to be able to speak to the wind and the waves and say, hey, listen, guys, it's time for you to calm down and quiet. What a moment that must have been. But look at his comment to the disciples. He says to them, guys, where's your faith? I.e., you guys should be able to do this or I'm right here with you in the boat. Don't you trust me? I've got your back. And so that's a great encouragement to us that when the storms of life hit, for us to remember that we are God's kids, that he is in control of our lives, that we can trust him even if circumstances don't look that good on the outside, and that he's given us authority. Where's your faith? He's given us authority to be able to act out on his behalf. They were fearful and amazed. They weren't scared of him. They loved him and he loved them, but they were fearful because they realized how powerful he was. And they asked one another, who then is this? He commands even the winds and the waves and they obey him. This was a real show to them about who exactly God was. And so this is him demonstrating power over nature. Then they sailed, so they continued on their trip, verse 26, to the region of Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. So this is the other side of the lake. When he got out on land, a demon-possessed man from the town met Jesus. So you can imagine this person running down towards to meet him. But this was no ordinary demon-possessed person. I mean, when you're demon-possessed, there's problems in your life, but there's, there's no ordinary person. For a long time, he had worn no clothes and did not stay in a house, but in the tombs. I want you to picture this man for a moment. We can read this through. Imagine this man probably had crazy hair, probably had cuts all over him, absolutely naked, sprinting down at full tilt to Jesus and his disciples, probably screaming, probably looking very um, angry and looking very powerful. This man was in a huge state. This man was ostracized from the community. This man was rejected. This man lived in the tombs completely out of human contact. He was in a terrible, terrible place. Sarah and I just recently started watching this show from this chef called Behind Bars. And Gordon Ramsay doesn't have the best language at all. But his heart in this show is to go into a prison in Brixton, one of the worst places uh, in London, to help the prisoners sort of um, do some cooking, sell it on the outside, but actually to make a livelihood and to help them once they're on the outside. And just hearing some of these prisoners' stories, looking at them, listening to their language, the way they talk about each other, it, it really is off-putting. You sort of go, is there hope for these people? And this demon-possessed man would have 
even been worse. So if you think of someone in your life who you think is beyond hope, think about that person right now who's beyond hope in your eyes, in your physical eyes, this man was worse. This man was worse. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him and said in a loud voice, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torment me. For he, Jesus, had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was guarded, bound by chains and shackles, he would snap the restraints and be driven by the demon into deserted places. So this man, we talk about being feared. He had guards with him, people from the town, to make sure he didn't hurt anyone. He was chained with proper handcuffs, metal irons, and he was able to break these with the power of the demon and then run away again. So again, a man in a terrible state. But look at this phrase, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now this is demons at work in this man, but what's so important that we get is even the demons know who Jesus is. Do you know that it's very easy for us in society to know who God is, but not follow him? Very easy. So the demons who are absolutely pitted against God, who want to see his kingdom not advance, they know exactly who he is. Jesus, son of the most high. They know that their future is death. They know that they are going to be defeated. They're working against him, but they know who he is. It's very easy for us as people, for us who don't know God, for those in society to know who God is, but not to be a follower of Christ. There's a big difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone deeply and intimately. So a challenge for us. Verse 30, what is your name? Jesus asked him. Legion, he said, because many demons had entered him. Legion, the name, uh, military name, term for a number of different soldiers and multiple demons were wrecking this man's spirit and this man's mind. And they begged him not to banish them to the abyss, uh, a, a name, terminology for sort of outer darkness, for where God casts demons, where ultimately Satan and his demons and those who haven't followed God will be forever. And they said, you know, they, they, they know how terrible it is there. We should take note of it. Society should take note of it. The demons know how horrific it is if you don't follow Christ and don't have a relationship with them now and for all eternity. And so they're speaking through this man. Verse 32, a large herd of pigs was there. This is how we also know it wasn't a Jewish area because pigs were considered unclean by the Jewish people. So we know it was an area of non-Jewish people. They were feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, Jesus, to permit them to enter the pigs and he gave them permission. You see, Satan can't do anything outside of God's ultimate control and sovereignty. They have to ask for permission. They can't act without his power. They're like dogs on a leash. The demons came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. Can you imagine this picture? There's a man here who's crazy. There's demons speaking through this man. And then there's this herd of pig, pigs with men looking after the pigs on the countryside. Jesus says, yes, I give you permission. You can go into those pigs. They are less important than this man. They are animals. They're less important than this person I care about. And the minute that happens, these pigs that are sort of peacefully relaxing, rolling in the mud, they suddenly race down the hillside and just continue to race into 
the Sea of Galilee and they drown. Imagine that picture. And look at what it says. When the men who tended the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported in the town and the countryside. Now, I wonder whether they reported saying, this is incredible. This person came and transformed this man's life. Or did they go, oh my goodness, there's this man. All of our livelihood, all of our pigs have been killed. We need to get rid of this man. I think probably the latter. I don't think they cared that much about the state of this man who they had ostracized for all their lives. They cared about their livelihood, their animals more than they did about this person. How often do we care more about ourselves, our needs, our wants, our desires than somebody broken in our community or someone rejected in our community? A huge challenge. You see, Jesus cares about the heart of a person a lot more than other things happening in life. And he wants us to be the same. Huge, tremendous challenge. Then people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and they found the man the demons had departed from sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Do you know what Jesus does when he saves someone, when he transforms someone? He does a number of things. Number one in that process, that man who should have really faced what the pigs face, dying in the abyss with the, with the demonic forces, is saved from the demonic power. So that's one that he does. What else does he do? We read it there. This man was seated at Jesus' feet. Instead of being in the tombs and living in the tombs in the hillside, he now has a place next to the King of Kings. He's been moved from the outer rejected areas to, to having a place as a son of God. And he was naked, but now he's dressed. He was a man who was naked in body, but also naked in spirit, na naked in mind, um, absolutely just vulnerable and, and disgraced by the demonic forces in his life. And what's happened to him? Jesus has clothed him. Jesus has clothed him. And finally, he's in his right mind. God has transformed every part of his body. That's what Jesus comes to do in my life. It's what he comes to do in your life. It's what he comes to do in the lives of people who it just seems like the love of God is too far away. It just seems like their lives can never be transformed. They were afraid. Meanwhile, the eyewitnesses reported to them how the demon-possessed man was delivered. Then all the people of the Gerasene region asked Jesus to leave them because they were gripped by great fear. So getting into the boat, Jesus returned. Isn't this amazing that they were gripped by a fear, not in seeing this amazing transformation of what God had done and not wanting to receive that for themselves. They were gripped by a fear of maybe more of our property is going to be damaged. Maybe more of our lives are going to be disrupted by this Jesus. We want to continue doing what we want to do. And so we would rather him leave. We would rather him not be part of our lives so we can get to doing what we want to do rather than celebrating the life change. We can do that as people all the time. The man from whom the demons had departed begged him, Jesus, earnestly to be with him, saying, Jesus, you've just changed me. You've just transformed with me. Transform me. Stay with me. Be close to me. Look at what Jesus says. He sent him away and he said, go back to your home and tell all that God had done for you. And off this man went, proclaiming throughout the town, how much Jesus had done for him. You see, when we're changed, 
it's easy for us to want to keep it to ourselves. As Christ follows, it's easier for us to want to stay close to Jesus, protected, safe with Jesus. And Jesus says, just as I've changed you, you go and tell people. You go and tell people in your communities, in your lives and beyond, in areas who don't know me exactly what I've done. That's the challenge that he gives to you and I today. If he's changed your heart, if you're a Christ follower, that's a story to tell. There's people in your business, there's people in your schools, there's people in your community, in your families who need to know the transforming work that he has done in your life. And on top of it, they should see the difference. This man was demon possessed. Now he was in his right mind, dressed and thinking completely logically. People should see the change in your life so that when you share about what Jesus has done, they can go, yeah, I see it. There's a change in your life. Tell us more about it. Just this week, a friend was, was grappling with this and got in touch with me to say, how do I know, how do I share you know, for myself but with others, how do I share that Jesus has paid the price for my sins? And I shared with them, I said, well, there's a number of different ways. Number one, the Bible tells us and there's ways that we can believe the Bible to be true. Number two, there's amazing prophetic promises that, that show the things that have happened in the Bible and will happen. Number three, people should see the change in your life. They should see the change in my life for us to be able to share that truth. So God challenges us to step out of comfort, to step out of the fold, to step into what he's called us to, to share the gospel. But here is the absolute kicker in verse 40. And when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him for they were expecting him. And he gets on and he, he heals someone else. He raises someone else to life. But this is it. Who did he go across that lake for? He went for one man. He went for that demon-possessed man. Who did he go through the storm? And yes, he taught his disciples a lesson. Then he went to that land. And Jesus knows everything. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that they were going to want to send him back and bring him back uh, you know, with his disciples to Galilee. But he was prepared to go through that to see one man transformed. And he knew that that one man could see many others saved. As I close off, I want you to know that you are not too far from God's love. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you feel away from him, you are never too far from his love. It's why he came. It's why he died for you and for I and for myself. And if you think in your community, family, friends, maybe there's someone you think that person is too far gone. I pray that God changes your heart today to know no one is ever too far. And maybe, just maybe, in fact, probably most definitely, God is calling you to be part of the difference. He left and he left that demon-possessed man who'd been transformed, full of the Holy Spirit, to continue his work. And he's asking you and I to continue that work. And so I want us to pray together now. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to bring people to mind for you to start stepping out from safety and start sharing and start loving and start caring for those who society has rejected like that demon-possessed man. And God's going to do something. So let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, right now, I ask that you would show each of us people who society has rejected, people who we have rejected, people who we think in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces are just too far for you to transform. Lord Jesus, thank you for showing us the story. Thank you for reaching out for just one man. 
and transforming one man. And I thank you that you want to do the same and you want to do the same through us. So Holy Spirit, please bring to mind right now, bring to mind people's names. I know you're doing it right now. Bring to mind people who we've ignored, who we've rejected, people who you want us to be part of seeing their lives transformed as you work through us. Heavenly Father, please do this amongst us. Please give us a heart for the lost, a heart for the broken. Please, please put it in our hearts that no one is ever too far, no matter how they're living right now, no matter what they've done, nobody is too far from the grip of your love and from your transforming power, Holy Spirit. And please give us the courage and the boldness to live this out. Your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. And if God's put people on your heart, which I know he will, and if you ask him, he will listen to that prayer. I want to challenge you to step it out and then share testimonies with us this week. Share testimonies with us today, either on the YouTube page, on Facebook. Send us a message and we'll share the testimony. But we want to live out the call that God has for us as a church. And I, I can't wait for us diving into Ephesians and continuing in that process. I can't wait for the series Storm the Gates and equipping us and helping us to be God's church, to be His army in the world. Thank you for your generosity. It's helping us to do much and to really care for many people. So we, we trust you for that. We'll share more testimonies of that. But I pray that you have a brilliant day and a week ahead where you step out and you be the person that God has called you to be. And he'll give you all power. He'll give you all authority. He'll give you everything to say and he'll, his presence will go before you. But, but let's be his hands and feet in Zimbabwe and beyond. So I hope you have a brilliant day and look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you so much.